We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network, a very, very special podcast. I can't even do a long intro. Usually go through all the plugs, subscribe, rate, review. I mean, do all that stuff, but we got to get right to it. Brooke Lopez is back and here to celebrate with me. I got the winning six squad, Adam McGee, Jordan Tresky. Fellas, I think the answer here is obvious, but how's it going? It's going well. The Bucks won in Utah. This also has never that. happened. Also that. This hasn't happened in uh, Take that, one Kenny score. G. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny G. G feels like Utah Jazz, right? Because <laughs> there's got to be such a thing. It's got to be Kenny G. Uh, playing the sax. Yeah. Yeah, can you sax in Utah? They won. I don't know what that means, but yeah, they won. But more important, although that is pretty important because we've talked about a lot of losses in Utah over the years. Yeah, Brooke is back. And that also means I am back. I'm fully engaged now with the season. Uh, I've been in and out, taking my time. Yeah, it's it's like the basketball is real now. I was workshopping a tweet and I was like, this is just going to be too weird for everyone else. But it's very sincere for me. I mean, like, yeah, it's great. The NBA season is finally back. It's finally started. (laughs) It would have been my equivalent of Jordan's, you know. It's a pity that they finished the the NBA up. The NBA is over now after the books won the championship. It was glorious, and I think it. It uh, Brooke obviously doesn't start. I don't think anyone expected him to start. Logs fourteen minutes, you know, shoots one for four. You could look at the box score. I think he had four personal fouls as well. Got in foul trouble in his fourteen minutes, but I think, and I I know Adam agrees. We chatted a little bit before we started recording. Maybe Jordan's the Maverick here, but I think. Uh, I think Brooke looked pretty damn good. I mean, I think he looked like Brooke. I think there was some rust to knock off, especially offensively. But I thought, you know, the biggest fear, right, is we get all this way. He's out for so long. He comes back and he just looks like off out there, right? Like first game, he's like, oh, God, he's not moving well. It's not going to be the same. 
And we don't know if it's going to be the same, the same. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. He missed a lot of time. But I thought for the most part, like, yeah, it looked like Brooke Lopez. I mean, I think he's got more rust to knock off. He's got like a dozen or so games to do that or more. Um, but honestly, like pretty pleased overall with what we got out of Brooke in game one against a tough defense, against an elite defensive center. Um, and I just think it, this there's nothing but positives here between winning in Utah, only being two back of the first seed in the East, and the most important thing, as we've been saying, is get healthy. That's really all that matters before the playoffs. Brooke, obviously the biggest swing piece. George Hill made his return too. We can talk about that a little bit later. Um, and Pat Connaughton, we saw shooting, which he had a broken hand. If he's shooting, that seems like a good sign. The Bucks announced he's not far away either. But obviously the big story, Brooke Lopez. And I don't know, I'm eager to hear from you guys, but I thought like, yeah, it looks like Brooke Lopez out there. Yeah, I didn't think he looked, I thought he looked the part. I thought he looked like Brooke Lopez, like physically, which is all that you could have asked for, especially when, you know, it's not like Serge Ibaka's time with the Bucks has been a bad one, but you could tell what nights where he's kind of has it and nights where it's like, oh, it's a little slow moving. I thought a lot of the follows that Brooke had, honestly, is more of just like you've been out for so long. It's based on like timing. And it was a lot of like pick a roll defense where he's like trying to get back in that rhythm of, you know, do I come out to Donovan Mitchell coming up on a pick a roll or, Rudy Gobert is right there. He's going to lob it or throw it down if it's a lot. Like it was kind of like little stuff like that where that can come in time when you kind of get more, you know, your rhythm back, your muscle memory, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I thought it was more um, just rust and all that stuff. It wasn't any, anything, a sign of anything more worrisome, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was just great to see him out there, first of all, too, even with airballing on his first shot and all that stuff. He hit a corner three and still was just like, oh, he's back. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I want him to blow on the fingers. I know it's usually reserved for, you know, we've got four or five, but it's it's been a while. I was I was looking for it or, you know, the the kind of low end soup. He played that off very casually, which is good good for you, Brooke. Uh, don't make a big deal. Like get back to business. Brooke, Brooke is my favorite player in the books. Uh, anyone who's listened to me talk about the books for quite a while, Giannis, yeah, Giannis is cool, great, you know. I suppose <laughs> he's important to the team, but I'm here for Brooke Lopez. He is the player I enjoy, uh, just his whole vibe, I think what he brings to the team, what he brings to the locker room, and his game, because he does a lot of the things that I think, well, they used to go underappreciated. The appreciation levels for them in the past few months is probably you know, allowed that to reach record levels. So I think we can all see a lot of what he brings. For me, the two things I wanted to see was, is he willing to embrace contact? Is there any kind of reluctance? Didn't see any of that. I mean, he didn't really didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the paint on offense. That may be matchup dependent too, though, because you're against Rudy Gobert. So yeah, let's try and stay out on the three-point line and make it difficult. So I wouldn't really take anything from that. But on defense, he was absorbing contact with Gobert. And to bring him back against one of the few, like, legitimate seven-foot-plus, like, true centers in the league, that's that's quite the decision on the book's part and shows some confidence, I think, in where they feel he's at physically and with his readiness to play. Um, the, the thing that really impressed me most of all, though, is that I thought his timing was really good defensively. I said it to Ty before we started. It's like, it is the first time since the opening day of the season that it's like the book's... You get to watch the books effectively execute drop, and yes. 
with it being such a staple of their success, it was really good to see it and to see it working. And even though in this case, like Gobert is not the easiest matchup. So yeah, there were some fouls on that. I thought his timing on catching the roll was really, really good. Like he was there. He was pinpoint accurate. Like he always is. He was showing the basketball intelligence that's brought him to this point. Whereas like, yeah, he's, he's pretty much on point. That will only get sharper. That will only get tighter, but that was there. The shooting does not worry me. I think that will take time. But there's also like, for example, Grayson Allen has not really played with Brooke at all. He has not really played in the version of the books that we would probably expect to see a, a lot more of, both in terms of personnel and in terms of defensive approach coming into and then when the playoffs come around. So I had kind of questions of, will all of that just work? Will it slot in pretty seamlessly? And, you know, on-off numbers game one for Brooke show, yeah, the defense is better when I'm on the floor and things were kind of working there. And I don't expect it to be peak Brooke, maybe not even this season. Like, that might be too much to ask, but I, the books don't need that. If they if he can make them better, that's going to do it. If they can be a few points better with Brooke on the floor and he he's going to build to a point where he's giving major minutes, like, that's going to solve the leakiness defensively, which has been a problem although not entirely catastrophic. I think a little bit overplayed, and I feel like we would have seen adjustments to tighten it up in the playoffs anyway, but Brooke being there is a game changer for that now. Yeah, I certainly agree. And I think, you know, I mentioned earlier the defense that Gobert and, and the Jazz have, you know, talking about Brooke kind of getting acclimated to uh, on the defensive end, Utah is the best offense in the league by like a mile. And a lot of it is that Mitchell Gobert pick and roll. I mean, that Gobert known as a defensive player, but certainly can can catch lobs and roll just fine. Obviously, Mitchell is a huge threat. His passing last night was super impressive. So it's really getting thrown into the fire on both ends for a center to go up against Utah. And I thought that given given that, the fact that Brooke only gets outscored, they the Bucks lose his minutes by a point. The defense was really good. Offense kind of a work in progress. Some of the lineups were a little junked out there. I think Giannis's foul trouble probably threw a wrench into that a little bit. And and Brooke, you know, just getting the the shot together still. But overall, yeah, I just think really, really impressive stuff. And I think you talk about the defensive difference. The Bucks offensive the all the offensive rebounds the Bucks gave up against Golden State sunk them the last time out. Brooke does not record a defensive rebound in this game. But I also don't think he gave up an offensive rebound to Utah in his 14 minutes in this game. And there was some issues with giving up offensive rebounds to the Jazz, too. They end up with 13 to the Bucks' six offensive rebounds. Maybe one or two of those came with Brooke out there. It felt like none. And you could just see, like, for if anyone ever questions, like, the impact of guys like Lopez or Steven Adams on rebounding because they don't put up rebounding numbers, just show Brooks 14 minutes and boxing out multiple guys, especially Gobert. Uh, and Whiteside, but I thought the rebounding impact was pretty significant too. Um, but yeah, I just think overall, it's just great to see him back. It's going to be interesting, I think, the rest of the way to see how Serge Ibaka is used. And I think, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how, how Serge responds. He might not be an every night player once Brooke is all the way back acclimated. But I do think looking at Philly, He's going to have a role in the playoffs uh, in some series, at least, maybe not in every series. But um, I, might... I, I think, sorry on that, time. I no, think ahead. people, Bobby having a really strong season and taking further strides offensively has made everyone convinced that it's not going to be like it was last year and that there's no scenario where they really move away from Bobby. I don't think that's true. 
I, I think it's I, more I, true. I think they'll use it more than they I don't. Do. I don't think he'll sit an entire series, but I would not be shocked if there's a series where they're like, okay, there's ten minutes of Bobby, like, and we're gonna give Surge a bit more burn. We're gonna rely on Brooke, and we're gonna play a completely different style. Like, uh, I, I think the Sixers could be an example of that, where you're like. Yeah, I think Embiid would just like absolutely make mince meat of Bobby if they could get that. And you certainly don't want them working for mismatches where, well, depending what version of Harden we get, and it, it would be the playoffs, but still the idea of Harden on Bobby Portis is not something you want, which, you know, factors into some of the decisions they made last year. So I, I still think there is a path to seeing less Bobby Portis like the, in a pretty significant a way in the postseason. I think it'll be by the end of a series. I think Bobby will start every series playing significant minutes just because that's how playoff series go. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we got to game six Philly and Bobby logs like 10, 15 minutes and Surge plays maybe the same amount of minutes, maybe more. Um, just uh, because a series like that, like having 48 minutes of Lopez Surge just makes so much sense so that Embiid is always going up against a big body in the paint. And the option is good too, right? Yeah. Because if if you just have a game, maybe maybe it doesn't play out that way, and you can trust Bobby more, and his offense is you know it's outweighing what he's what he's hurting you with on defense in the postseason. That doesn't mean that there won't be isolated games where he gets absolutely torched early on, and you're like, okay, we need to move away from this. Yeah, there has to have been some level of discussion about that with Serge coming in and being like, look, we've traded for you, you're here now we're not necessarily going to have the role for you that you may have had elsewhere, but we, we will have important minutes for you in important playoff games. It might not be as many, but your quality of minutes here will be higher than they would be in most of their places. You could have played this season. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, I, I just think it's, this is the kind of dance that they have to do for the final month of the season. Is yeah. How do you kind of rejigger your rotation? Is Brooke going to be, are they going to be feel comfortable enough to have Brooke back in the starting lineup and have Bobby come off the bench, be the sixth man that they need? How does Ibaka, you know, whether it's 10 to 15 minutes, I mean, it's more, he's more of their, you know, not to make this comparison, but it's more Rolo. Yep. Like a, a Rolo type role rather than, you know, where we, it was always kind of like, Oh, it's in waiting when Brooke comes back kind of thing. So I think that's, the Ibaka element is obviously important, but you know, Bobby's capable of doing anything that he is asked of him. But mm-hmm. how does his play look when that move eventually happens? Just because we both or we all think that's going to happen. Um, but I don't know. That's we'll have to see how that kind of all fits together. But last night kind of gave a good indication of like, oh, yeah, it's like <laughs> we go from <laughs> having no one be the center. Um, like having a traditional center, I should say. And then, you know, you have Giannis, Bobby, you have Abaka briefly, you have Brooke obviously making his way back. It's like, now it's like, oh, it's a little, it doesn't feel lopsided just because this whole season has been an exercise of like how important a center is to the yeah. Buck system, to the roster, to considering just how small they're playing at times, even against a team like the Jazz that, you know, Rudy Gobert kind of just makes up all of their size. Um, but it was still just like, okay, like this is kind of like, this is it. This is like the, they could still add an on, on another piece. They so choose, but like, this is what their team is. If you know, God willing, if no more injuries happened. <laughs> it's even the right balance just in having cover for foul trouble. If you're looking to a series against someone like Embiid, like, yeah, it yeah. might feel like they are a little bit kind of 
you know, there's they're stacked at center. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, great, they have lots of options. But that's matchup dependent because if Bobby was struggling against Embiid, for example, and Brooke gets in foul trouble, you don't want your only option to be, oh, well, Bobby has to soak up all those minutes. And it is something that we've kind of seen over the years. And it is what prompted them way back when they signed Rolo was the understanding of just how central Brooke is. And wouldn't it be great if we could get exactly the same player? And they they did the best they could get. They got his twin brother and they tried that out. Like, I, I think that's that's important too. It's They're not just kind of, they don't just have bodies, which is something we've talked a lot about recently because they were just lacking literal players to go out there and cover those gaps. They now have options. Like they now have matchup dependent options in the front court, which is a big deal. And honestly, not something other teams have. Like I have not been watching, but I believe DeAndre Jordan is not settling in very well or very impressively to his new surroundings. And these are the kind of conundrums that a lot of the book's rivals are going to be kind of dealing with when the playoffs come around. Yeah, I think especially in this conference, um, I think the depth is not there. I think Miami has a lot of playable guys. They're smaller. They don't have the size, but they have, I think, a lot of guys who they at least trust a little bit to play. But most of the teams, yeah, I just I, I don't whether it's injuries or, you know, whatever's Ben Simmons going on or mandates. Um, a lot of teams don't have uh, don't have that kind of depth. But I was actually going to ask, like, in some ways, Bud's job, this playoffs might be harder because. You know, last time around, by the end, it was really all hands on deck, right? Like Jeff Teague was playing, um, which we always – poor Jeff Teague. We always go to Jeff Teague is playing. He's a scout with the Hawks now. He's fine. But, you know, there's going to be a couple players per series probably who a lot of people – On that, really on like. that, did they, did they give – you just missed that game against the Hawks last week, right? That could have been ring night for – for Jeff T. I think he got it quietly. He didn't want to, yeah, he, he didn't want to do a big thing about it. He, he said it in that. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, what a guy. Sorry, Ty. Just, Very, yeah. yeah. I knew that would be an Adam approved move for sure. Um, he slid in, got the ring, and left. He clocked in to go uh, watch basketball in Indiana or something. Um, but there's going to be a couple guys each, each night, feels like in the playoffs probably, who aren't going to play. And I know people will hear make the, the joke, right? Or maybe not a joke, like maybe Bud will just play all of them. And I think Bud's rotations probably will look crazy big early in series because there are a lot of playable guys. But I don't think he's going to be playing like 12 guys. And the Bucks go pretty damn deep right now. I mean, you look at the five-man bench last night. It was George Hill, Wes Matthews, Serge Ibaka, Javon Carter, and Brooke. And that's with Pat Connaughton still not playing. It's like who – I don't think we're going to see him go 11 deep. Like who's not going to play – and I, I think it's going to be kind of difficult to feel out, you know, during during playoff series. So that's why I agree, Jordan. I think these last few games, about a dozen games, Baker's dozen games, I think, are going to be fascinating because this is the last chance the Bucks have before the playoffs. And this isn't like two years ago. There's no Orlando in the first round. Like the playoffs could start heavy for Milwaukee. Um, you know, we're going to have to determine, or the Bucks have to determine. We That's to if the Nets beat the protocols in the playing game. That, the Bucks could still, I mean, you could finish three still. You could, who knows what's going to happen. But That's yeah. the playing game, right, Jordan? The Nets, Brooklyn Nets versus, you know, Mayor Adams. Yeah. <laughs> he was a little overpowered to play 501, but, uh, well, he yeah, backed down KD. Like. He backed down yeah. KD successfully the last couple of days. So, uh, Mayor Adams has some game. Um, but I yeah. think determining like who's going to play, and I think especially it's the guard spots, right? Because I think 
you know, the center stuff, yeah, Bobby and Serge, they'll flip-flop maybe a little bit. We'll see how it goes. It'll be matchup dependent. But George Hill, Wes Matthews, Javon Carter, that I think is going to be like I, – I don't know if we see all three of those guys. It's going to be tough because I think Javon has played the best by far over the last couple months. George hasn't played. But, um, you know, the youngest – It, the, with it the does mean that if, if, if one of those guys is just – doesn't have it, which we have seen this even in like successful books games of the playoffs in recent years, yeah. where they'd have those kind of situations and they have to ride with a guy because they don't have alternatives. They have that in both the front court and the back court. So, for example, Wes Matthews has not been setting the world on fire of late. I still think there's a role for him and I still think it could click. And I, I think there will probably be a lot of fate potentially to the frustration of books fans as we get close to the playoffs if it doesn't click for him and we'll still see him playing. But they have Javon Carter playing really well now. And if if it just if it proves untenable and Wes is hurting the team or they're losing his minutes, they now have a quality option and someone who actually they're doing really well when he plays at the moment to come in and take some of those minutes. The same, I mean, with with George, I think my concern would be more durability. true true bow durability, true both of his books tenures now, like niggling injuries have been a story, and he's a really important player. And if an injury came to him at the wrong time, that could be a real blow. So again, Javon Carter getting real reps, getting comfortable with the team and playing well is something good to have. Even if by the time the playoffs open, if he's kind of phased out of the rotation, I think there'd be no hesitation in being like, oh, that guy, that guy can play. You know, we trust him. He has the right kind of uh, rapport with the team. He's got the right kind of game to fit into a playoff setting and into how we're going to play. And I, I think that's really important all around. Your point is definitely valid in that that creates decisions for Bud that he didn't have before. And where you have decisions, the reality is that there is the potential to make the wrong decisions. But I think that would be a really glass half empty view for us to take based on the sheer lack of decisions last year. You're muted, Ty. You'd rather have this situation for sure. Thank you, Adam. Yes. Um, but it's a good problem to have. You'd much rather have too many options than not enough. And I actually, one guy who I didn't say in terms of guards, who I actually do wonder how many minutes he will play in any given series. Are we sure Grayson Allen's going to have a starter minutes load? I don't think he's going to finish any games in the playoffs. Well, I think last time was a perfect example. I mean, a situation where... I can't remember what the score was. It was like around like that three or four to three minute mark. But they're kind of targeting him, whether it was like putting him in actions or kind of just like weak side help. Yeah. And, but of course, call the user or lose a timeout. I think he <laughs> and got Javon two Carter gets, yeah, he had to get two of them. Utah's the altitude you got to get to. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, he puts in Javon Carter and, that move, I mean, Javon Carter, he didn't hit a shot during that time, but the defense... He had the two free throws late in the game. Two free throws, yeah. yeah. The defense, um, obviously pressuring whether it was Mike Conley or, Deba- or Donovan Mitchell, um, but it kind of just... It's not just about, you know, the defensive help. It also puts Drew on Donovan Mitchell, which, you know, down the stretch really worked. I know Mitchell had a decent game but his shooting night was pretty rough by the end of it yeah um and that's where it's like yeah like i'm not saying grayson is like Bryn forwards in that way but just because i think 
if you're in that playoff mode and that you're looking for any cracks in the Bucks, you're going to target Bobby in the front court or you're going to target Grayson Allen. And that's where a guy like John Carter can really help the Bucks in a lot of ways because it moves, you know, you get a, a good point of attack defender as we've seen over the last, you know, nine, 10 games. But Drew can do a little bit of everything. He could do play the two. He could take on a guy like Donovan Mitchell or take on a guy like James Harden if it's, you know, the second round of a playoff series. Or I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the three based on, like, if if you put – you could put Javon Carter, George Hill, and Drew if you really wanted to and do all these different things where, like, their versatility, especially after uh, the Benbury injury – it's taking a hit. Like you don't have that kind of swing guy, but you, if they, they have really experimented, experimented and wanted to play small and getting Javon Carter out there, getting Drew Holiday out there. If George Hill is right and healthy, all that stuff like that, that is an option they want to choose. But yeah, I do agree. I think, I think for Grayson, it's going to be situational. If he is, we all know the offensive lift that he brings them, but it's just a matter of, you know, holding your own defensively. And I do think he is a fine team defender, as we've talked about, Adam. But, you know, it's all about you just – when it comes time to playoff time, it's like you try to find any weakness that you can to exploit it. And maybe that leads to him playing two minutes in the second half of a game or it could lead to if he's hitting shots and stuff like that, he could, you know, swing a game that much. It's that it's that kind of variable that we, you know, we'll see in a couple months. My one counter to that, I'm I'm a little more skeptical that the roles could shift. I I think it's very much it's going to be game and series dependent to state something really really obvious. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the difference in the books this year to last year is what hasn't changed is they're going to be the better team in most series they play, so they're going to have the ability to dictate how a game is played. And last year, largely <laughs> down to those uh depth issues that we were just kind of touching on the way the books were dictating as you played is they wanted rock fights they wanted to grind teams down it was going to be physical they were going to play heavy minutes for their key players and that's that's just the complete the tone they were looking for because it's really the only way the books could play it's the only way they could win grayson and what he brings offensively and just being so much better than Bryn Forbes overall. And then even say Bobby to go and give the other side of the argument that I just gave a couple of moments ago, like Bobby, take a step forward. The books have the potential. I'm really, they've spent a lot more of their regular season having to do this this year, that if they're in a series that is a shootout and they're having a good shooting night, the opponents are having a good shooting night. They may trust in that and try to do a little bit more of that and be like, well, our defense with our core guys is better. We're going to trust if if Grayson is the weak link that you're going to target, he's going to be a better team defender than your weak link. And we think we'll win through that overall. Like, I, I think there will be times where they will be able to trust in that. So for me, it's going to be much more matchup dependent. But I'm, I am also interested just to see like game one of the playoffs, particularly with the possibility that we've got a real series. What direction do they go? Like, how do the books want to play in the playoffs this year? Is it going to be that all of the rotation decisions, all the substitutions are like designed to strangle the life out of the game and to make it a defensive battle, which could play to their strengths, although it's not playing to what they've got a lot of reps in doing this season? Um, Or will they 
be more content than they were a year ago because they've got the personnel to open it up and be like, you know what, we trust our offense in some of these games too. I think for the books, they're in a more they're in a more varied position where I think they they can have more confidence in both sides of the ball where it gives them decisions to make on, you know, do we go for a more offensive substitution here or up the minutes in the rotation for this guy because we feel like we can just take a team with the offense or is it like, well, this is, we're going to lock in, it's Drew Holiday, it's George Hill, it's Javon Carter, Giannis and Brook, something like that, which is like good luck scoring on a lineup like that. I, I think they can go both ways, but I would not be shocked in certain series this year. I, I think the Heat is a is a good example. I think if the books are going to play the Heat, I I would not be surprised to see the books willing to open that up and shake it up a little bit and be like, oh, you've got one guy that can score. <laughs> You're going to try and lock us down. Like we're going we're gonna to put the most options out here, the most weapons out here possible. And that's going to be really difficult for you with some of the guys you have on the floor. Like they, they could decide, oh, we're just going to out defense you. And that could be like a series where games are like 68, 65 final <laughs> scores. But I think the books are equipped to just take it the other way. And that might be where they could hammer home their advantage. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I do think, though, last night was kind of a shootout, and Grayson ends up playing less minutes than Wes and Javon in, in the second half. I think he. The one thing with that, though, last night is unique because it's a team that has more knowledge on how to get at Grayson yep. and pick him apart than basically anyone else. I think on a lot of, of teams are figuring it out. Uh, sure, but th- that team and that coaching yeah. staff, I mean, yeah. that's like second nature to them. They, they had him in practice in games for a couple of years. And they had him in the division after that too. Um, True. I think uh, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna start the rest of the way. I don't think they're gonna change that spot. And I think Brooke is gonna start soon, maybe next game, but if not soon, probably. Um, but uh, I do think Grayson's gonna start all along. It's kind of funny. I, I wonder how much we'll see 
Grayson and Bobby playing together in the playoffs after they started together like all season when they were healthy. But those are really at this point the two guys who you're at all worried about defensively. And I think I, I think they like having the offensive options. I think versatility is the name of the game here, but it's not lost on me that everyone they targeted midseason was a defensive player. I mean, Bembry, yeah. unfortunately, now torn ACL, MCL out for the year, uh, which sucks, of course. But Javon Carter, his offense has been great, but a defensive first player, his defense has still been better. And, of course, Serge, who has actually put up some pretty pretty impressive scoring totals in some of the last few games, but I think generally is is a defensive option, or at least that that was the appeal. I could be wrong there. They really needed bench points when they got him, too. Uh, and we'll see. Tyreek Evans would obviously not be that. But I, I think they like to rely on the defense, and especially late. And I just think you can get the best of both worlds and still get a scoring punch out of Grayson Allen. But also, like, you know, if it's the last five minutes of a close game, why why give out a, a weak link? And I pulled up. I was actually, when you were talking, Jordan, about the Javon Carter-Drew thing, which I've been saying a lot, like, the, that's what's great about Drew is Drew can guard anyone. So if you if you feel Javon is the right move, you can always just put Javon on a smaller guy and say Drew guard like literally anyone else. Like Drew go guard Drew could guard Rudy Gobert. I think he gets out rebounded, but I think guarding him wise, the lobs would be bad. The lobs would be bad. Post ups, <laughs> post ups. He would guarding. he'd be stealing every second possession. Like, that too. Like <laughs> Rudy Gobert would not want the ball in his hands for more than half a second with Drew Holiday sniffing around them. Like it yeah. just would be picked out of his hands every I, time. I think he already doesn't, but yeah, he really wouldn't want the ball in his hands now. But I, I looked up last night the three man group of Holiday, Matthews, Carter, which they went to a lot in the second half. Like that's like that's the stranglehold lineup. When those three guys are out there, like that's like you're switching. It's funny to watch teams switch across the perimeter. It's like, okay, congrats. You got off West Matthews and got to Javon Carter. You accomplished nothing <laughs> on this possession. They played 12 minutes. The team was one for five from three when they were on the court, but they made a lot of free throws. But they were plus 10 in the 12 minutes just because Utah didn't score. And I think I think they yeah. like going to those, those lineups. The, the issue is – or the nice thing with those is you can honestly almost just say like it doesn't matter who the other four guys are with Drew in these like weird bench lineups because Drew's offense has just been so dependable. The issue has been like getting Chris and bench guys offense units going. But yeah. but no, I think they like the def- – like having – if it's those three guys and Giannis and Brooke, like how the hell are you scoring? You know, put Chris out there too. It's like some of those lineup possibilities are just really, really intriguing defensively. I mean, the one thing even to think of how they they probably just tweak it slightly, and this is built into, you know, Pat's been having a great season and hopefully he comes back from the injury and that doesn't change and the shot's still there. We could see some Pat swapped in for Grace and then some of those lineups too, if you're mm-hmm. trusting his shooting, because I think there's just, one, there's a lot more reps, but I, I do think there is also more comfort in just his ability to fit in seamlessly in that setting like they won a championship and having to play key minutes in that kind of role and he was great and also just based on that i think playoffs come around you've got to think you'd be like well the playoffs are here one of the first things we're going to do is up pack on his minutes because like this is his time compared to you know your average guy in the nba and maybe even some other guys in the roster this is when you get the best of him so that's another kind of element where if pat comes in and pat is not afraid to shoot He's been shooting it really well, really for quite a while now. It's not just the this season thing. Obviously, it goes back to the playoffs last year. That is another another option in there where you're going to have offense, but you're going to balance it. Like they can they can go to these lockdown lineups. 
I think their bad defenders are generally pretty good, though. They're going to be better than defenders in the other teams. Like, this is the interesting thing. Bobby is the only guy who makes me really nervous. I get the Grayson thing. I just think in most games, Grayson is going to hang easier. Um, I can just see, like, speedy guards targeting, let's try and get a switch onto Bobby every time. And Bobby out anywhere near the perimeter. Or, yeah, Cotton Pickerels can get pretty scary in a hurry. Like, it's it's not great. As much as he's working on that, as much as he's incredibly game, and he would be doing everything he can to be the best possible defenders in that situation, it's not the, it's not the absolute strength of his game. Um, but I, I think beyond that, it's like guys that, like if Pat's out there, teams may have to try and target Pat. And between his basketball IQ and his athleticism, like that doesn't work all that great because he just makes plays. Like if you're going to go at him, he will come up with some blocks. He will come up with some steals and his timing again to kind of speak to something that Brooke is probably the player who will get the most praise for. Pat's timing is really, really good. And his, his understanding of the floor, his ability to read the floor in defensive plays, know where Giannis is, where he can, you know, where he can get beaten, where he's funneling his man towards Giannis or Brooke. Like they, they're all important things. And I, I think the look I've been saying it for a while I've been fighting back the waves of uh, negativity that were there before the recent resurgence uh Ty Windish may or may not have been you know asked questions about should we be worried should we be worried is there a reason to worry about the books concerned it is different I, I think it's the same generally if you want to <laughs> if you want to break down the difference between concern and worry fine um no i i don't think we should like that doesn't mean they win a championship because it's hard to do that they could yeah. just lose a series and be really good in the playoffs this is the reality of the nba i think they're just about positioned as well as they have been in the previous years under but now that they're healthy if they can stay healthy like the Bembry thing is a blow we don't need any more of that um in the, the next few weeks Stay healthy, and this team is going to be really, really tough as an out. Like I, I struggle to see more than two or three teams where you're like, yeah, well, they they probably could beat the books. And in every series the books will go into, I think they'll have like a 50-50 chance at worst, which that's what you want. Like you can't you can't ask for too much more than that. You've got to go and play the games. But we all know it's not too long ago, like where we dive into the books past, even with key players on this team, with the team on the rise, where it's like there were opponents that the books would get. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, the, the books could win this series, but they're probably going to lose it. They're the second best team here. And I, I don't think there will be any series in these playoffs where it's like, yeah, they're the second best team. I think one thing that plays into that for me, and I kind of realized this like the day after the Harden trade. Now there's no team. It used to be like, okay, maybe there's a better team. Maybe there's a better big three. Hopefully we have the best one. And especially, you know, after Giannis took that leap in the Brooklyn series. Now I think you go into really any series and it's it's obviously close against Philly or Denver. I still lean the Bucks, having the best overall player. And now it's like maybe your second best player is close. Maybe it even leans to the other team. But your third best player is like significantly better than anyone else's third best player now. I mean, it's like, We'll just say Chris for now. I don't want to do a whole thing. It doesn't really matter. People say it matters. The Bucks certainly don't care. The way they've played this year, it's been Chris. Drew has been really good this year. Playoffs, mm-hmm. maybe it's a different story. Again, it doesn't really matter. No, I, I agree with that. I agree. The Bucks don't care at all. None of them care. They, they could care less who it is. Um, but 
I think uh, like I think just whoever it is, like the other team's third best players, it's like Tyrese Maxey having a good season. Don't think he's as good as Chris or Drew. You know, Ben Simmons, is he going to play games? I mean, Kyle Lowry, is he going to shoot at all? Is Kyle Lowry the second best player on that team? I don't really know. But regardless. Kyle Lowry's also 35, 36? 35. It's, you know, they're they're weirdly not Oops. as good when when he and, and Jimmy Butler and Bam all play together and none of them shoot. Hard to figure that one out. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that's – now it's like you're you're better in different ways and you're probably deeper than any other team you're going to see in terms of overall rotation too. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's not a lock that they win a championship. It's freaking hard to do even if you stay healthy. Yeah. But There's no such thing as a lock to win a championship. No. That's the most important thing for that, really. But you've got to feel good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned anymore. They, they're getting some of the good. together. They got Brooke back. The only it's it's injuries now. I don't even care about seeding anymore. I used to be such a big seeding person. Part of it is because it's too hard to predict right now. It's all too close. But it's really whatever. I mean, I'd like an easier bracket this year than last year. But if it doesn't work out that way, it doesn't work out that way. Can Can I ask you? Because one other thing that. I don't know actually if we talked about this, but I would heard you talk about it on pods and then Jordan and I had, so we've been having separate dialogues about this. You, it may have been a one-sided conversation. It you might not like, be aware of it. Like you guys are running a pincer maneuver here. Like we met about this <laughs> separately. But you quite a while back uh, were of the opinion that the one seed was gone. I mean, it's, it's two was. games now. Are you... I think it likely you background is. That? I, think it, I think it likely is still. I mean, it, it's not gone, gone, but it would be tough because the the way the tiebreakers work, because they split the season series with Miami, is that you need to either finish with a straight up better record. So there really would be three games back from that angle, or you need to finish with a better conference record than the Heat. And that's going to be tough because the Heat have five less losses in conference. So pretty much the Heat need to bungle it down the stretch to to get one. Um, but honestly, it could, happen. it could happen. They haven't played very well recently. Um, but I think the maybe the more interesting thing is, like, is one worse if Toronto holds seven and the Nets have to go without Kyrie into Toronto for against all those good defenders who are going mean, to go at KD all game? Jordan's going to say we've no guarantee that the Nets come out either, which... I was not gonna say that. I was gonna say Cleveland might fall back into that that's, play in yeah. run. I think the Toronto's only a game behind now. And that's if if Brooklyn stays eight, that's their best case, right? Because you go into Cleveland, you get Kyrie Irving. I mean, right now, right now, the way it's set up, it would be great if if the standings held, because the Nets would never get Kyrie in a play in game. They'd have to play one or two without him, which would be the Nets could seriously lose to the Hawks too. Like that's a team where if Trey Young just had an absolute heater. Like there, you have no margin for error. You're in the playing games. This is what happens. Like you're, I just, the, I can't see KD losing twice in the play-in. I would be stunned. I think he's still got that gear, but it is, it's possible. It, one off night from him. That their margin right now is is him. It's really just him. Yeah, yeah when Kyrie doesn't oh, yeah. play, the rest of that team stinks. They're bad. Kyrie's playing great, and the record is terrible. Like right, <laughs> they they were just losing games for fun with Kyrie playing pretty well before KD came back. So yeah. it's it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, as good as Kyrie is, he's not like anchor the whole franchise level. Like, there's only a couple of guys like that in the league. I think. I mean, look at look at the way LeBron's playing this year, and they're, they're worse. They they have an under 500 record with him playing games, which is crazy considering how good he's been. Uh, Bucks draft Bronny. But I I don't think it's likely that. Don't don't. Do you want LeBron bringing the team down? I'll take LeBron <laughs> for a year. I don't know. He 
He's, he might be a bit of a troublemaker. I think he is a bit of a troublemaker, but if you're starting <laughs> I don't know horse, if you want to bring him around to such a great job. You're trading all those picks away. <laughs> I wish I wish he I wish he went far enough to get there. Like it's I, it's I like it's like John Messi going to PSG. That's what it's like. Is that working out well? It's like you've got know. Giannis, you've got all these. I thought even you would be aware of that. Jordan, you're probably aware that's not going I, well. I am aware and that it's not going well. I believe Messi has two league goals. Are you telling me it's messy? <laughs> it's it's pretty messy over there in Paris. Fair yeah. enough. Let's not get too let's not get too distracted on if it's bad if LeBron signs with the Bucks. I think it's bad. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean one could end up being like one of the harder the harder seeds. Like I, I think it's probably likely the Bucks and Philly finish two three, but you know, what if the Bulls finish three and Philly finishes four? So the Heat finish one, you get Brooklyn in round one, you get Philly in round two. Like one could be the gauntlet. We don't know. We don't know where the minds are going to be. Like you could realistically draw up a scenario where any part of the bracket is the easier or harder side. So I just don't care that much anymore. One would be cool. I think it's always good to finish one in some senses, but um, and they only lost. If I don't go to the playoffs, they won't lose in Fiserv this year in the in the postseason. So that's good. Um, We're just gonna get Jordan there, and you stay at home. Exactly. Yeah, that's how we have to we have to split it up that way. Um, <laughs> but I, I just don't care that much at all anymore. They're not going to be a play-in team. They're not going to finish outside of the top four, most likely. Um, so it's like whatever, finish wherever. All that yeah. all that matters is that they're good, yeah. like that they're playing well and they're Play, healthy. Because they're you've got to the beat these teams done anyway. Done all season. Yeah, Dude, like I still I don't think they're at their. I still don't think they're gonna. I think we. I think the good thing is that we've yet to see their best ball this year. That could be in the playoffs, 100%. That could be in the yeah. playoffs, the way things are trending. I mean, last year, if we were to do this exercise, where it's kind of now, like, the gauntlet could involve the Nets early, then the Sixers after that. I think the two teams last year that we would have been, like, is based on what happened the year before would have been the Heat and yeah. then the Nets. And they had to go through both of them, and it became the big kind of... uh philosophical question down the stretch because it's like are you looking to play your way into a series with the heat and the books made the call they don't care they just need to win and that was the right call and if you're the better team which i think they are like would it be tough against the nets would it be tough against the sixers sure but are you serious about winning a championship because if you are you don't like look to dodge that to play the Cavs, or it's like you're gonna have to win those games you're gonna have to win some series anyway doesn't really matter who it's against yeah, the the one other thing, why the reason I don't think that the one seed is dead, I think the books have reason to, the reason being Brooke, they have reason to not take their foot quite as off the gas, quite as far off the gas this year as they have in previous years, because I think it's just a good idea. Like they don't have to be going full tilt in games, but 25, 30 minutes of guys, like get them in, get them out. It doesn't really matter what's happening where you're just continuing to build on that, continuing to find your rhythm as a group and getting yourself in the kind of prime position. The Heat may respond to this in a completely different way and start shutting guys down. I don't feel like that would be the case for the books, but even if it is, the depth we've just spoken to, if the books literally have enough players to to go out and play, you know, if there are some players that aren't like Tanasis, Mamu, Wigginton, there's got to be some really good players out there. The books depth could win them some games, even with starters. Their schedule favorable in that sense. Like we haven't seen a lot of the, well, we did, but that was also based on uh, real world events affecting mm-hmm. <laughs> the NBA and the schedule and all that stuff. 
It's not. I think they only have one back-to-back left in their schedule. Uh, um, I think two. Yeah, two. But one is like the very end. So yeah, they have Nets, Clippers, uh, a Thursday and Friday. The and end Celtics, of, Pistons, end of March, and then yeah, Celtics, Pistons, which. I think you can pretty safely say the Pistons game will be the one that they sit. I mean, Tanasis can that that game. I've never seen a more clean like don't play anybody <laughs> game than that game right there. Uh, yeah. And then they end the season in in Cleveland, which will be interesting. But uh, yeah, that Pistons game I think is pretty. It's also not. It's also in Detroit. Yeah, I think that that's a game we're not going to see a lot of Buck stars there. Ending the season in Cleveland could also be a like nobody show the other team anything kind of game oh, because yeah, they, yeah. they could be looking at playing like a few days later. Um yeah. so so that's kind of an interesting one to finish on. Cleveland might not have any guys left by then too. But that's no, also I, true. I think it'll be a fun schedule because there's some bad teams. I mean, you get four bad teams in a row right now. Kings, Timberwolves, Bulls, Wizards, four bad teams. Four oh, Bulls, I love it. Yeah. Bulls um, are not good recently, but that's takey. We'll see. I mean, the one Timberwolves are not bad though, okay. and I'm, I'm, I'm actually very interested in that game because again, this is like, I think I expected the books to not bring Brooke back to that Bulls game because one, it's interesting. I'm go against Gobert. Like Cat had sixty last night. It's gonna be really interesting to see him go against Cat and see how he deals with that. Um, because you're gonna get the size that you got with Gobert, but you're gonna get a much, much different style of player. You're gonna get an aggressive yeah. offensive center. That might actually be the best prep for like Embiid outside of Embiid that he's going to have the rest of the season. Like if we're looking to those kind of matchups, so I'm going to be curious to see how he plays, how much he plays. I there was there were quite a few tweets I saw on people being like, "There is no way Brooks going to start his first game back," and he didn't. Why though? Why do people do this? It's like it literally would have made no difference if he started. Yeah. And they take him out. He plays the same minutes. This makes no difference. Like at this point, in a recovery sense, I, the only thing, and the thing with this is, up until he did it with Drew recently, the Bud way is not to bring guys off the bench. The Bud way has been more bring guys into the starting lineup and just play them limited minutes. But I, I don't get that. Like you mentioned, Brooke could start the next game. I don't know because Bud's made this call to take bring off the bench in the first place. But I wouldn't be shocked because I don't. What's the difference? Like, sure, he's got a 15-minute limit, or if it's 20, fine. Start him, and you take him out then. I, I don't get that as a thing. So I I think it makes sense to get him back into the starting lineup just for him and his rhythm, rather than yeah. coming off the bench is not something he's used to, and you don't want him to get back into that. You want him to, you know, you're in the game, opening tip, all of that stuff that's just kind of part of his routine and will be part of his routine again. So I thought that's interesting. Maybe there's some bouncing too. Like it, it's a tough one for Bobby. I'm sure Bobby knows it's coming, but there's also maybe some elements of trying to gently kind of manage that and kind of make that seamless as a transition. But I, I don't get it. It's like, yeah, he can start. He can play two minutes. They can start him. Tanasis has done it before. <laughs> uh, so it's different. like... Slightly different, but I, I don't see what the big deal is with starting him. I don't know if it's like an intensity thing or what. Like, I know I, I made the point before the game, like uh, Chase and Allen brought Frank Mason off the bench on Sunday for the herd. And I asked, I was like, is it a lineup thing? He's like, ah, he's dealing. The, the herd are even more vague about injuries than the Bucks. He's dealing with some stuff. I was like, what, is it a bad day? Flat tire? 
but um, I just wanted to protect him a little bit. So I don't know if it's like an intensity thing or. But or think of even is. with Brooke, right? And Brooke and his back, and we know Brooke's long term, yeah. like not being very comfortable on the bench. Having him start games, not on the floor, like I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't actually see. And I guess it would be a road game, you wouldn't. But I was. Where was Brooke first quarter? He was on the bench. He stood. He stood for a good amount of it. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so he, like he's not the guy. So I would think, particularly when you're getting him back and his back is the issue, and just trying to get him comfortable, it actually makes sense to get him out there and play first, because he's a guy who's always been averse to sitting or any of that with it. So it's kind of I I think there is a decision there, and I was a little surprised that they went the way they did with it. I'm sure it's being taught true like there is undoubtedly a reasoning behind it possibly from the sports science team but i just thought particularly with brooke with his back being a problem with his own tendencies with what he's familiar with i was surprised that they brought him off the bench because I, I don't think it makes a difference like it's still a weird symbolic thing we do um and it will matter in the bigger picture but when a guy's playing 15 minutes whether it's 15 minutes as a starter or off the bench doesn't really matter yeah what do you think, Jordan? Do you have a strong take on Stargate? Jordan doesn't no. have strong takes on anything. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. He's a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. It's, I cut off my own lane. No, I I, I think it's just the... It, it bet to where... It, I think the one thing that's interesting about this is that, like, it is an interesting game to come back from. It's in Utah. It's altitude. Like, that itself mm. with... Yeah, I mean, like that is for someone that is coming back from back surgery and has back problems. It's pretty cruel, honestly, to be it's like, a, it's you're you're coming back at altitude against Rudy Gobert. Hope yeah. your back's feeling good, Brooke. Yeah, and you gotta sit on the bench. You got the Kings or, next, just, like you know, not yeah. <laughs> to give one more game. I, but that's where it's like, I don't know. It's not, it's not like throwing him to the fire, but it's it's a very just unique situation it's a unique environment it would be no different if he came back at uh the nuggets and had to play in denver and just like all right let's see how it goes kind of yeah. <laughs> well that one would be even i mean Jokic would be even even oh, another yeah. level but no yeah it was it was certainly but i do think just one last i guess brook thought for now is I, I still maintain that the bucks were very deliberate in how they brought him back for this reason like i think I think it's likely that could he have played before now strictly like physically could he have gone out there and tried to play probably but I think the whole point was like let's rehab it so excessively that he can go out there and it looks like less of a missed beat and that's yeah better than okay we'll get him on the floor earlier you know maybe he gets acclimated faster but is he all the way right like I still think that even as scary as back surgery is and sounds that and again, obviously, no insight here, not even close to a doctor. Rohan is closer. The than doctor is not on today, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He's not on duty. We're not supposed to call him a doctor yet, by the way, outside of officers, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but I still think it's like I, I, I like the way that they did it because it did even again, even in a, in a suboptimal first game back. I we all just said, like, or said earlier, looked like Brooke, and I think that that's a huge positive. So I think they must have just determined, like. You know what? He's ready as ready can be. I'm sure he's dying to play. I mean, they've said like he really yeah. wants to get back. So I'm sure it was like I I don't care, man. I'll guard anybody. Just let me get out there. And 
It's going to be I, – I hope he does play against Sacramento. I, I don't – I'm guessing no back-to-backs. We'll see. Um, but I know uh, – And you have a, quite the layoff afterwards too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you the get back-to-back is far enough away as well. Like, I mean, he's yeah. he's back two weeks with quite a few games under under his belt before you're worrying about a back-to-back. So I don't, I don't know if that will be the case. Yeah, and I think if, if, if they do sit one, I think it's Philly then uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, it is. Yes, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's Brooklyn then Clippers. Um, so yeah, you could play. Sorry, that's the against back, against yeah. all of those teams. But yeah, I think you play Wednesday night again, late night against the Kings, and then yeah, you're off until Saturday at four p.m. Central against the Wolves. Why? Why? Speaking my language. Uh, Adam McGee game, I guess. But why? For it's actually a little too early for me. I hate when they do this. <laughs> you should send a memo. Hey, if you're looking out for the Europeans, could you just scoot it back one hour? <laughs> Um, but you know, yeah, a lot of days off and then, and then after that too, from Saturday to Tuesday, I think you're seeing the Bucks still, I think have more games played than most teams in the league, or at least in the East. It's, it's a benefit now though. Only two back to back. And a lot of these games where there's like multiple days off, like they have Saturday until a Tuesday, you know, then a back to back. uh, Most of the time it's one or two days off from here on out. So I think that's, that's going to be really nice for them down the stretch run. And then the play in. The other part of that, of not having to worry about you know missing out on the playoffs, is you also get a couple days before the first round series to rest up too. So I think rest wise, they're in a really good spot here. I think we're gonna see guys get nights off at some point, but I don't think they have to be. I think they can be responsible with it while also like getting to play full strength for most games. I think th- I think like you said earlier, Adam, they're going to cherish that with just now getting Brooke back and being able to say, hey, for. 10 of these remaining games, we can not even worry about having to rest guys or take guys out early. Yeah, I agree. You're talking about George Hill. George Hill made his return too. I wonder if George Hill is bombed. Everyone's like so excited about Brooke. He's like, I thought this was the George Hill game. No one told me that everyone was going to be more excited about Brooke. It's the Bucks return game. Bucks, George should have made Bucks. it the George Hill game then. <laughs> yeah. You know, back back in Utah too. Like he could have, there could have been some revenge game there. George could he have a get a Woj game. bomb. He could have a revenge game against every team in it's the true. playoffs. True, he didn't get a Woj bomb. <laughs> he got a Bucks bomb. Um, I thought he looked fine. He looked like George. Yeah, I, I, I said it before we started. I didn't really notice him. I was like, I could see him out on the floor, but I didn't really notice him doing too much. That is like not to be kind of smart about that is part of what george hill brings at this point in his career is like yeah don't stand out but just help everything gel together and make good solid plays so that's fine i I think we'll see a little bit more from him i would like to see a little bit more from him, but yeah it's great he's back too like it's just to work through all of this the sooner they can get pat back obviously not rushing him back but sooner he can get back to the better and you can really build towards okay we're getting this thing ready it's another reason too well why the books may not kind of just ease up as early as in previous seasons, because Pat is going to be someone else. They're going to be trying yeah. to work back into the equation and make sure he's got some form going into the playoffs. But yeah, it's just great that he's back. It's great that him and Brooke are back. Yeah. I I, I mean, he is their security blanket in their backcourt. That's is it's like Brooke in the sense that he is like connective tissue. He, yep. When you don't see him on the floor, if he's hurt or whatever the case may be, there's just something kind of missing, whether it's a little bit of added playmaking, a little bit more shooting, 
even defensively, he does. I mean, he's on the kind of, you know, uh, uh, lankier side, but he does give them a little bit of versatility defensively and just can guard ones and twos. And like Javon Carter doing extremely well, but not like, not like a true point guard in that sense that can do what George Hill does. Um, or obviously even Drew, but like when you don't have that, you kind of don't have the guy that can kind of settle things down, especially when, you know, the Bucks have a turd quarter uh, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Like there, the times where it's like, okay, we just need someone just kind of like, let's organize things and all that stuff. And, you know, George Hills is as, you know, trusted in that role than anybody the Bucks have had. <laughs> As a backup point guard in yeah. Oh, yeah. years, obviously, and definitely at the Bud era. Um, but yeah, just it's great to see him out on the floor, and hopefully, there are no more flare-offs just because if they, it's you're if the, if there is something more lingering with George, that it kind of always feels like there, you know, is the case. Um, that would be kind of a sneaky, just like uh, that's not all that great. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, assuming he stays healthy and just putting that aside, I think the big question with him, and it's kind of the same for Wes, they're sneakily like right next to each other in three-point percentage right now. Like if both of those guys just like shoot the cover off the ball in the playoffs, Bucks are going to be impossible to stop, man. Like that's right now those two, and they're both shooting like above 50% from two. So at least they're they're making a lot of their in, inside the arc shots, especially George who shoots there like double double the amount Wes does per game. But, I mean, if those guys both rip off, like, 38% shooting postseasons, I think even though we have more of a a sample with George that he's not shooting well this season, I think 31.6%. I think I still trust him more than West to shoot the ball well at this point. Um, But that would be – I think those are, like, sneaky big swing factors for the Bucs because as much as we've all liked Javon's game – None of us expect him to shoot fifty eight percent for the rest of the way. It'd be great if you want to go right ahead, John. That is that is the sneaky regression to the mean. Who is it? Who's or what's coming first? Wes hitting shots again, or Javon kind of following up? Which I would love to ride this train as long as we can and yeah, have it lead to a championship. But it is well, very. Just I like, I think they can increase their chances of Javon not falling off by managing his role correctly. And if yeah. If yeah. George, if George is there, like you don't need to put too much on any player who has just arrived with the team recently and who hasn't been playing an outsized role elsewhere. Like I, I think that would be setting him up for failure. I think one of the things that's working right now is they understand exactly what Javon Carter is good at, and they're allowing him as he himself really put his finger on, you know, kind of six six member of GSPN, right? Is that how we're, we're looking yeah. at Javon now? He's, uh, he's fifth. He's um, like, oh yeah, six, six, yeah, yeah, sixth. Six. Don't forget yeah. producer Eugene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of something he he spoke about with you and Rowan is they're allowing me to go out there and play my game. Yep. And there there is clearly an understanding of what he's good at and the role that suits him. And if you allow that to continue, like give him the freedom to do that, but don't put too much on him. Don't put too much pressure. Too much expectation. I think he's a guy who can continue to come in, give you some minutes and perform, and into the playoffs that can continue. Um, he's a really good defender and that has value and that will always be something you, you can get minutes out of and right now he is shooting the lights out so that will drop off but that's fine if for example like what did I say before we started we we're looking at he's like an, an 8.0 assist to turnover ratio Yeah, like mm-hmm. 
if the shooting drops off, but he's not turning the ball over at all, and he can just create a little bit for other guys, and he's defending as well as he is, there will be minutes for Javon Carter if the books need him. And it's it's way it's yeah, it's sixteen assists to two turnovers. He's got two turnovers in nine bucks games. That's phenomenal. That's pretty good for a guard. I know he's not necessarily like lead guard with some of the other guys out there. Um, the books are okay. a team where it is easier to be a backup point guard than many others, but still that's very, very impressive. That's also I think we talked about the last one of six that like the fact that he doesn't need to be a point guard. Or does it need to lead the offense like he was doing in Brooklyn because Kyrie was doing Kyrie things? And, I mean, I can't think of the other backup poker that they had before the whole Dragic and all this stuff besides Javon. Yeah. So he had to kind of be thrust into a role that doesn't really suit to his strengths, doesn't suit to his playing style, all that stuff. And I think that had led to, oh, it's, you know, kind of hasn't really worked for him shooting the ball and all that stuff. Like, if you look at his whether he's playing, I think it was the Suns more, more so than any other team. When you, when Javon, Javon Carter can just be a bulldog defensively, hit shots from the perimeter and not really have to like, just kind of contain or stay in that box, whether, you know, he can play up, you know, more than that. But like, I think that just kind of, it blossoms into what we're seeing right now where he's kind of tying things together in a way that we didn't see previously when the Bucks are trying to find something in their backcourt beyond Drew and George or whatever the case may be. Yeah. That, that's, that's what the books have done well too. Like this is good roster building and good managing of your roster. Is that like yep. to go back to pulling Bobby against the nets? Like I'm being like, that's not, that's not a slide on Bobby. It's like, we're not setting you up to fail here Yes, <laughs> because the, the reality is Bobby is now he's a cult hero forever in Milwaukee. If the books played him in that series, the books probably go out then and Bobby could have been a scapegoat. If KD was just cooking him over and over again, and the margin for error, as we know, I don't know if you know about the size of Kevin Durant's foot and the shoes he wears, <laughs> oh, but it was it was really small to begin with. Like it wouldn't have taken much to swing that series. But that's not just the like that kind of practical decision making. That comes down to looking out for Bobby's best interest too, because he gets to be the hero and he got to go into free agency as like, oh, he could be due a big payday. And he also got to then have the freedom to be like, oh, well, I really want to see back here. And he, we're into another cycle of that now. Like, and that's a great example when you look at what Bobby Portis's career had been like before he came to Milwaukee. It's like, great, you get a guy and you're like, we've got a role for you. We know how you play. We'll play it here. But it's also knowing when to protect the guy yeah. where that's for the betterment of the team. And it's also not going to bring undue heat back on that player. I, I think that's very much the thing. That's what you can get for Javon Carter. Pat Connaughton was another example of someone yes. like that. It's like, if you lean too heavily on him, which times the Trailblazers did, there are flaws there. If you understand where he should be within your system, how to manage his role, it's better for the team and it's better for him. And that's... Nikola Mirotic. Yeah. Oh. Right? No. Yeah, Thanks they, for bringing it down, man, Jordan. They managed him all the way to Barcelona. I think Pat, they probably <laughs> asked too much from early, and he really grew into that role. I think that that's on player development too. But that's mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that you have to go through until you... You can't go through it until you get to those moments. Yeah. Like, that is the Bucks' two playoff runs under Bud in a nutshell. Like, we, you thought everything was perfectly aligned. This is our system. This is how we're going to play, all that stuff. It's not only that you realize, okay, what can we improve on to kind of, you know, play as, or to give as many dimensions to the roster as possible. But 
you learn through the lumps. You learn through like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, Robin Lopez doesn't play at all during the playoffs. Wesley Matthews does a good job on Jimmy Butler's inexplicably, you know, taken off at yeah. the most crucial points when they're kind of like on the cusp of breaking through and coming back in those and whatever games those were at this point. Like that is part of like the rub and, you know, it sucks when you go through those moments and obviously we come on the other side of it, that it's like, you, we can think back on it now and kind of have a little levity, levity with it based on winning it all last year. But again, you just, you don't know how it's going to be until you get to those moments and you, you know, see where it is now. And it's like, Oh, that's how it is when everything goes, <laughs> you have all the luck going your way and all these things kind of sort themselves out the way it should be. It's and- also, it's like guys like Bobby and now Javon Carter, like they get a chance to reap the rewards of the team being better. Yeah. Like, and what someone like Pat had to yes. get through, like Pat comes in, not trying to like kind of unduly disrespect Eric Bledsoe, but Eric Bledsoe was the point guard and it's a very different book scene than what it became when Drew Holiday is there. Yeah. And by the time someone like Bobby Portis comes in, there is there are more and more good decisions that are there and at work. Not all good decisions. They've had some bad ones all along the way, but there there's a much more solid base. And then there's probably a greater understanding between coaching staff and players, even to going back to like Pat when he arrived, um, which was Bud's first season, right? And yep, yep. something like the teething pains that were there and trying to work out Chris's role under Bud. Mm-hmm. And some of those adjustments, it's like the players that come in now are getting the best versions of Giannis, Chris, Drew, not just as individuals, even, but as as teammates. Like, yeah. and you're you're in a framework that is much much better set up to allow others to thrive as well. Like that's what we're seeing, and that's someone like Pat. I think you're 100 right, Ty. We saw him having to develop and grow through that, but that's also the books developing, improving, yeah. growing. And now he's in a better position to succeed than they were capable of putting him in yeah. his first year with the team. And that's that's like a big selling point. I don't know if that gets across to everyone. But then again, to go back to Javon Carter's comments about like Bud, and I guess part of that comes from his conversations with Bembry, who played under his coaching staff. It's like if players know that, if that word's out there and that rep gets out there, that's how in the right situation everything will work out. And if you buy in, even as a role player, even with less minutes than you might like or might get elsewhere, you will come out looking better and there's a better payday for you or a bigger role or just general improvement as a player on the other side of it. Like that's that's what, let's talk about books culture, right? Yeah, uh, heat culture, it's real. About. But that's what books culture has yeah. become. Um, and that's really, really cool. Like you can't ask for more than that. That's kind of, I remember writing when Bud came in and trying to put a primer together on Bud and what the coaching staff and he himself had done with the Hawks, had built relationships with players. And what could that look like? This was kind of like the realized version of that. And it comes up every now and then that like, oh yeah, but there's no like Hawks University thing going on because people just think of draft picks, which is not on the coaching staff at all. It's on how this has been put together, but there has been internal improvement and development of kind of low risk free agent signings. Like, they can't build the team in that way, but they're finding ways to get players and get more out of them. They just also don't have to play as central a role as, say, a Damari Carroll had to play in Atlanta. Well, like, they are. Be- because the stars you have. Of course, when you never... Pat Connaughton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Pat is the example, but, but he, Pat doesn't have to be a fifth starter even. 
Oh, no, you know, and th- that's that's down to your top end talent too. So the situation is just a little different all yeah. around. Yeah, he, the Bud. I mean, he's been given a continuity with his best players that he didn't have in Atlanta. Demar Carroll, I'm not saying he was the best player, but he leaves after their big, you know, 61 season going to conference finals. Horford left for Boston, and that kind of was like or Teague did too at that offseason, if I remember correctly. Like now you have. Yadis and Chris, and then you know, Bledsoe doesn't work. Okay, we're gonna sell the farm yeah. to get Drew Holiday, and it works out the way it is. Like even like, yeah, it's everybody has learned through that months. Yadis more so than anyone because it's like you play this way, it's gonna lead to being an MVP two years in a row, and then when come playoff time, it's like no, this way doesn't work. It's not how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's like well, that's how I was taught to. You know, this is what. Yeah, <laughs> this is success. But yeah. That's where it's like going through all those things. Um, even if Javon Carter wasn't there, Wesley Matthews obviously saw what the heartbreak was of going through, you know, the bubble and all that crap. Um, and having that knowledge and experience, you kind of just like, oh, okay, this is when all the pieces fall into place and going through those tough moments, you can kind of fine-tune everybody's role the way it should be. And it's it's kind of – that's where it's like, yeah, w- there's been a lot of adversity this year. But – and it's been different than what we've gone through with, you know, past buck seasons. But it could, you know – that's where it's like, okay, things are kind of getting back to where they should be. Everybody's playing where they – you know, everybody's playing <laughs> nearly yeah. – and that's where it kind of it's like okay things are kind of bubbling back to where it should be. I don't, I don't know. I think uh, two thing, two last things on Javon Carter. One, it's not been talked about as much, which is good. I think we should focus on what's happening right now. Um, the honest age bracket that I've talked about a lot. He's twenty six. Like if there is a way to keep him after the, I think certainly there would be interest on the Buck side, presumably from his side too. We'll see how the playoffs go, um, but. If there's a Bobby Portis like bridge, probably for less overall money at, at the steps. But if there's some sort of a bridge there to uh, keep him around, I think that would be ideal because you look at as George and West do age, he could be filling in for for at least one of those guys uh, going forward. At least from what we've seen so far, for sure. Well, let's be honest too; they are aged. Yeah. It's not even as they age; yeah. they they are aged. Like it's. Like it's one of those things with Wes where it's like, he's not playing great right now. It'll probably turn around. It also may not like at at any moment, both these guys with the miles on the clock with their injury histories with everything. Like it it could just fall off a cliff and that could be it. And like George turns 36 in the playoffs. Yeah. Like with the wrong matchup, you could be like, Oh, we need Javon Carter because we need someone who's a little bit quicker here or who's just kind of, I guess better equipped to embrace that. So for sure, yeah, for sure um, on that. Yeah. Looking long term, but I think it's kind of funny because they're roughly the same size. Javon's a little bigger, but he's essentially the inverse player as DJ Augustine. And I think it's just like acknowledging like where past mistakes were made and what we what the Bucks actually need. It's basically like DJ Augustine only could do anything with the ball in his hands. He couldn't even do much then. Because he's just such like a pick and roll guy, and the Bucks just didn't run as much of it then. And even when he tried, to, he just flew out of bounds. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how he was that bad. But a bad defender was not <laughs> shooting well, didn't really do anything, useless without the ball. And Javon's like the exact opposite. Like he doesn't really need the ball at all. He's effective anyway. The defense is very reliable. 
The one thing is he is one for nine from two so far. It's such a small sample, but, and he acknowledged like he's not really used to working in, in dunker spot offenses. So I think that's going to be the adjustment there. And I think finishing around the rim will be a big deal. I think it, many of those shots were not like missed layups. They were missed like push shots and, and mid range and stuff like that. But, um, but no, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the Bucks have gotten better as they've gotten better just intrinsically. I think they've also gotten better at identifying who is a good fit and how guys can fit around what they've built, especially now that it is so plug and play around Chris Giannis. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one last thing we need to talk about is Tyreek Evans. Heard oh, I thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers' contract. No, nope, I was just nope, I was trying to nope. get the takes out of Jordan because I I thought of one thing there are strong takes on Jordan. What Brad Boxberger return in Jordan. Ain't Brad, there. Brad Boxberger. Um, Andrew McCutcheon. You forgot Andrew. Yeah, McCutcheon? that's I, I, oh, I I know all about Andrew McCutcheon. Well, I was recording a pod with a baseball friend at the time, so I got a debrief after that, so I'm ready. 15-year-old Ty is losing his shit at Andrew McCutcheon potentially <laughs> being a, I, I It's an expletive pod just for Kutch, but I would be going crazy right now at the the Brewers. Did they sign him or are they going to sign him? I think I agreed to turn. Okay. I don't know if it's official. I think so. they are. I think they are. Yeah, it was, no, it was reported first, yesterday, anyway. At first they were talking. I think they did. I did. It did. I think he is signing. Um, are they going to have a clutch crew, like a fan section? Isn't that what the Bucks did? They do a clutch crew. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they did do it. I think that's, was that the, that was the kid era, right? Somewhere around. The, yeah. It's Maybe either the, that or start of Bud. Now it's like the jockey fan club. Because everything gets what a what a sad state of affairs. (laughs) Nobody is excited. The evolution of the world is just that's I I wasn't fully aware of that. That is really that's depressed me for the rest of the day. It was uh, from what was the Bogut one again? Bogut. Yeah, because he started it. Yeah, I forget Um, what it was called, but yeah, it started with Bogut. Squad six. Squad six, where it's it's a player sponsoring it essentially. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just the player reaching out to the fans, a good wholesome relationship. And we have now got the jockey fan club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Tyreek, I don't want to get the free ads. <laughs> Tyreek Evans. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we just talked about how many guards they already have. I mean, you might as well use the 15th spot. I guess we shouldn't be up be have anything negative about the Bucks, at least exploring using a spot they don't have to use. Um, and we'll see. He's going to play with the herd. Uh, they're not home until next Wednesday or Wednesday, a week from Wednesday. So looking forward to speaking with him if, if he's still on the herd at that point. Um, but I, I just think it's interesting. Like you can still do 10 days, right? Like they're like he really must have not been impressive in these NBA workouts. If the, if like this is like a big extra step to go through in terms like they have an open spot and like, they have, don't have to do anything. Like no uh, it could, it could be bigger than basketball, though. Like I get it. Coming off the suspension, yeah. they may just want a full read. Yeah. Of like where where is all this at? Just what's yeah. what's he like to be around? What's his state of mind? His attitude? Do we feel like he's he's like fully locked in, ready, not just to be back in the NBA, but to be part of a championship contender? Like this is going to be serious. This is going to be deep end. So is this guy ready? Or maybe it's also kind of. Obviously, it's a selfish decision on what he could do from a basketball sense, but part of it might also be like, are we the right environment to put this guy into based on what he's gone through based on the last couple of years? So uh, I think this is actually an interesting case study for a team yeah. being like, yeah, let's let's get him in the herd and let's kind of 
Let's report back on what all of that is like, what he looks like in practice, what he looks like in games. Also, just what he's like to kind of interact with coaches day to day, teammates, what he's like in the locker room. Is he going to be like, he's a he's a guy who across the course of his career, skilled, really talented player, has done quite a lot. Was a rookie of the year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yes. is he, so you put him in a situation like the herd where you'd imagine he's going to walk in that locker room and he's going to be something of a leader. Guys are going to look to him for some, so what does that look like? Is he going to embrace that role? That might even tell you something about like, is he ready to come in and be like a 14th man on a team where it's like, if he's not playing, is he going to be locked in on the bench? Is he going to give guys solid advice? I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a really good approach. I am not generally um, all that complimentary about the way the books have utilized the herd for their own NBA benefit. But this is this is good use of that. Like you could do more with how you're developing prospects and getting them there rather than just burning them on two ways and not paying them properly and all that kind of stuff that I have strong feelings about. But this is if you're if there's a kind of former NBA guy and a guy in Tyreek Evans case who's coming back off a suspension, um, not even a suspension, a disqualification as the first, terminology goes for it. First player to come back from that since Birdman, which is like didn't. Didn't Juice get some G League looks too, though? They it was rumored to be the case, but I don't think he played. I think he's only played overseas since coming. Yeah, Yeah, he he went to Puerto Rico, yeah, and and then Russia, Europe, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I think this is this is the way to do that. And I mean, you're right in describing Tyreek as a guard, but Tyreek is also like he's kind of a forward. He is a swing man, and with Bembry going down. He's a creative forward in some ways. I, I struggle to imagine where you'd find minutes from when it matters, which then it's kind of like, what is the point of it? Um, it's just interesting to see how they go through all of this too, even with Bembry, like how they're going to... It's it's a really rough break. I, I feel pretty bad for Bembry because I think yeah. Bembry could have settled in and been pretty good with the books and either been someone who was around next year or kind of got himself a good platform longer term. So that's that's a really tough break. Um, technically, we know they're not going to do this because there's a lot of costs. But the books could the books could waive DeAndre Bembry, eat that money, and have two roster spots. There's no, like, there's just no point though. N- well, no, there's not. There may not be a point in even doing this deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the only t- the only thing is numbers in case of injuries, and yeah. I think 14 is probably a good number to have, which may now push you into filling the 15 roster spot. But yeah. if there was an obvious if there had been a real buyout market, like, and there were obvious players out there, we wouldn't be going through this. And obviously, they're not completely sold in Tyreek. Although, even if they saw something they liked, I think this is a this is a good way to do it. Also, they have kind of circled back to him. Yeah. Like, so maybe he wasn't is it Golden State. Is that Golden State? He, he worked out with the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Which, but I mean, they're giving him more of a commitment than the Warriors allegedly did. I mean, that's where, to your point of like. They're kind of going to see like how bad do you want to come back to the NBA? Also, yeah. are you willing to go to the D League? Are you willing to play? You know, come knowing how D League life is and all that stuff. Like, are, are you willing to come back to play under those parameters and kind of let's just see where you are at within a team context rather than like you know bringing guys for workouts and seeing how that looks and all that stuff. That's like you are seeing how is Tyreek Evans going to fit within what they are, you know, their culture and all that stuff and see if it kind of, you know, fits just because you're not going to see that from a workout. You're not going to see 
How is he like day to day? And are you going to really see on that? that now too, Jordan? Let's not forget they've literally just done this with Brooke. Brooke's been down there practicing to get some five and five running. Yep. And they, they were talking about the value of that. So maybe it's just kind of even a little bit fresher for them. And they're like, you know, Brooke had a long layoff. We sent him down there. We liked what that did for us in terms of assessing his readiness for NBA minutes. Let's try that again. Like, it's a different case, but it, at its essence, you're like, this is a, a proven NBA player who has not played for quite some time in an NBA game. We're trying to get him ready to see if he can do that. Like, that could have factored into their thinking on it, too. It's also... Half is expensive if you wait two weeks to sign him um, for no yeah. real change in how much he'd probably be. If you're talking about an emergency guy for the playoffs, it's <laughs> I, I don't think that's the main reason, but I, I think it's worth uh, it saying. could be. I think it's worth saying that that is. Uh, You've just made me feel foolish for finding like, you know, <laughs> good fate reasons why they may have been doing this. And you've just come up with an excellent, yeah, an excellent point as to also what they could be doing this. Um, but I, I, I'm, at, I'm really I am intrigued to see him. I, I don't think ultimately yeah. it will matter that much. It, it might. You never know what's going to happen uh, in the playoffs with health and everything else. But. I still think Lance was off for, I think, the same amount of time. And I'm not endorsing Lance Stevenson in any sense, mm-hmm. but he's given Indiana good minutes this year, despite that layoff. Like, he's been a, a useful bench player. So, you know, they, they are also like very similar yeah. players in terms of their kind of style of play. I mean, Lance certainly more defensive minded, but just someone who will get score, pass, yeah. rebound, you know, can shoot, can get to the paint. Like maybe not absolutely elite at any one of those things, but very well rounded offensively. Like if if he does have something, and if he could get some reps in with the herd and then with the books, and he starts to look like anything like the player he was for a lot of his career, like as a break glass in case of emergency, that is not like the worst option. Like he may have more to offer if he got up to speed than Jeff Teague had a year ago, where Jeff Teague was at in his career it's a long time off so yeah. we have no idea if he can get up to speed ever again yeah. but given the circumstances with Bembry going down they obviously didn't completely hate what they saw like they didn't move on entirely based on the workout and um, maybe it wasn't worth the 15th spot but now essentially if if he's going to be the 14th player available to you they've they've circled back so we'll, we'll see also, we'll see what I happens think, go ahead would we say to your point of like you asked about like the 10 day like this honestly seems a little bit more useful because you are giving him presumably a prominent role and see what he has left. What do you have left? Could assign him. That's true, but I, I also with uh, Dalton. This, yeah, is, yeah, cheaper. Is, this is, is cheaper to go back to Ty's point. This is cheaper. cheaper. Yeah, but I also think like if you are willing to to make the investment, like does Tyreek Evans have something left? Because it's not just about you know the playoff run, but maybe they look Could, into it. The summer, it could be a he could be a hinky special contract candidate too if he looks good. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that. I think whoever if they do fill it. The other thing I'm just thinking of now too is like maybe they're maybe they're considering other guys on the herd for that spot as well. And it's like, well, let's just have them all there and we can look at all of them. We can, see yeah. How bad are Frank Mason's injuries that that continue to hamper him a little bit? You know, how do we feel about about Tucker, Ray John Tucker? Um, now we have all of them on a team, and we could. You know, theoretically, offer a rest of season and next year guaranteed contract to any of them, non guaranteed contract, and maybe we'll see what the off season brings. But maybe you can lock in a useful ish player on a minimum salary already, which is helpful when you're trying to build around three max slot essentially guys. I think you're dreaming up like an Oshkosh battle royale for yourself. There. I'm in. I think I, just don't settle it before next week. 
<laughs> let it let it get wrong. to Oshkosh. Yeah, let wrong. it get to Oshkosh. It has to happen there. Um, maybe I am, but uh, it's it's it, it'll be interesting. It is it'll be fun to see if other teams try and do this as well. Obviously, the situation is unique. I think most free agents with this much NBA experience, they wouldn't have to do something like this. But you never know. I mean, guys are are trying to get back in the league all the time, and we've heard from. Boogie and Javon said their phones weren't really ringing before the Bucks called. So wouldn't surprise me if we saw more stuff like this going forward. The Bucks just need to be more proactive than this, as you said, because of the situation with the salary cap. Like it's good that they did go and get Boogie, which we I think we all talked about before it and didn't really think they'd do. It didn't seem very books like, but they did. Um, I think we all would have been perfectly happy with them keeping him, but they didn't do that. But they at least took a look. Javon Carter, again, they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. And that's right now looking pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, there's there's no nothing to lose, particularly with this way of doing it. Like, that's yeah. that's the one thing is if they have any concerns about his attitude just not being right or not being kind of ready to lock in and the mindset that they feel the rest of the team is already in collectively. Like, yeah, maybe that's why you send them to, to Oshkosh and you find out rather than bringing them in and being like, oh, this is different, this is this has potential to throw off the balance. I don't mean that about him as like a disruptive personality either. Cause no. to be clear, like this is, this was the drugs of abuse, suspension, disqualification, yeah. which is really serious. Tyreek Evans is not a guy to my knowledge though, that there was like a rep for him being troublesome or anything kind of long before that. I think to, to what I can remember, that wasn't really a major part of his story. Um, so I think a lot of this could just be more about readiness. It's like, it's it's a big thing. And the mental strain of that, and even when you've heard guys from a mental health perspective talk about the mental strain um, of what it's like to be in an NBA setting and to be traveling with the team and to have the intensity and pressure, this is also not like the easy breezy time of the season to just drop a guy right back into it and be like, yeah. welcome back to the NBA. Hope you're ready to go. Like, yeah. it's got to be pretty intense with the books right now. Yeah, I know. I think uh, it's going to be interesting. I didn't realize he's still only 32 years old, despite the rookie mm-hmm. of the year coming like more than a decade ago. Um, yeah, it'll be, you know, it'd be awesome if, if it's, if he, even if he's not with the Bucks, if he's able to restart his career in some sense in Oshkosh, that would be a, a super cool as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I, do we have any, is that it? Is that all the Bucks stuff? I mean, the TLDR is Brooke is back, baby. Everything's good. Yeah. I think that's, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. The Bucks are good. Very good. Packers good. I was gonna say, Adam, do you have uh are you are you what five <laughs> teams you concerned are gonna offer Devontae Adams uh more role or more money and gotta, gotta work it out. Yeah, uh yeah. I I'm still figuring out the NFL cap, which right now it seems like is just a made up construct. Everyone's just pretending there is an NFL Mostly cap. Is. Life would be much easier for the books if the NBA cap worked like the NFL. Imagine so, what, just, just would the books go that deep? <laughs> George Hill, like he might get to stay around, but his contract is getting restructured a lot. He's, he's yeah. going um, to have the Taysom Hill contract. He's going to have fourteen you know. void years at the end of that thing. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, things are things are the, the band seem to be mostly coming back together. I think they'll uh, if they don't sort out the Devontae Adams stuff, I I don't know what the point of any of the other things they've done is. It's like you might as well have just blown it up now. So yeah. that's my take on that. I'm excited the lockout's over. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, Jordan is still somewhat in disbelief that this is the kind of stuff that's now a factor. But look, it's 
I was like, will I wear my Brooke Lopez jersey? No, I'll wear my Brewers t-shirt <laughs> to the pod today because the lockout is over and baseball season's almost upon us. If you never want to get boots, just do a spring training trip instead of the uh, the Milwaukee trip. It's I've got lot. boots. I've, okay, I can do all true. the trips. You're ready. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm now ready in future. I'm ready for all the trips, you know, um, baseball, football, books. It's all going to happen. It's going to be hard to time all those out for the same trip. Okay, we've got, oh, we've actually, I've got it worked out. We, you do. We've got a perfect review, and I'm, I'm glad that this is perfect. The, this is the, the next one up. Perfect five stars, of course, from uh, Leela Leela via Apple Podcast. As a reminder, leave a rating and review on Apple, Spotify. Send it to us, EuroStepPod at gmail.com or any of us on Twitter at Ty Windish, at Jordan Tresky, at Adam McGee 11. Uh, and you can get in the Eurostep Discord. We'll get you in there. You can get to our playback rooms, get heads up on the content, chat bucks with us and fellow fans. But we also read them on the podcast. So Leela Leela with Spaces says, a great podcast. And they write, five stars, of course. It has taken me far too long to write this review. I am a longtime listener of the Win in Six podcast. Going back to the Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty days, I have always thoroughly enjoyed Adam and Jordan's back and forth. I had never listened to Ty and Rohan prior to the merge, and while I was skeptical at first, those concerns didn't last past the first episode. All of the hosts are knowledgeable, funny, and provide a great combination of analysis and diverse perspectives on the Bucks. Anyone who follows and roots for the Bucks should be listening to this podcast. That's exactly what we wanted when we did the GSPN merger. What a beautiful review. Put that on the poster. We there might we go. have to. We might have to share that yeah. one. That's a really good review. Thank you so much, Lila Lila, for leaving that five star review. Very much appreciated. But thank you for listening. True to Jason, yeah, Kidd, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the more uh, more uh, thing that we have to put up first. Our pods are more mellow now than they were then, too. That's for sure. Yeah, we're out of the DeAndre Ligon saga. Thankfully, uh, maybe he'll get the next uh, shot with the herd, but. Until then, thank you all for listening. Go Bucks, Pod Random, and we will talk to you next time. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com